Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Alon Apteka, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with South African champion Alone Up Tekka about his laser-like focus and what it takes to become a champion-level player. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. How are you, Jocelyn? I'm great, Catherine. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Oh, I'm missing you. It was so oh. fun to have you in London last week. Wasn't it? It was like bliss getting to see you in London and to play with you. That was really fun. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was really fun. So yeah, Jocelyn was in town and we hung out. It was really great. It's always fun to play in a different city, but when you get to do it with your favorite bridge partner, more is the better. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think we've talked about on the podcast how much I love playing bridge when I, when I travel. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the best. And yes, and getting to play with you, of course, <laughs> was really the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to try it in a few other cities. Oh, definitely. I can think of some. Yeah, it's the beginning of a trend. And wasn't that great? We also got to meet up with Samantha Punch, yes. who's been a guest on our show. And Samantha also spearheads the BAMSA project at the University of Stirling. For people who don't know, BAMSA stands for Bridge, a Mind Sport for All. And Samantha is a professor of sociology, and she is establishing a new stream in sociology, which is the study of mind sports, but is very, very motivated by research that is examining ways to promote bridge and to keep bridge alive for future generations. So we talked quite a lot about that. Yeah. And the benefits that bridge can play in, in people's lives and in people's educations. Yeah. Um, young people's educations, like as much as physical fitness. Right. The mind sports and bridge in particular can be so beneficial to, to students. Yes. And specifically, they're launching a new research project, which is about bridge and youth and schools. Yes. She has a four-year plan yep. for studying and producing a um, a paper on the findings. Not just a paper, but it will create all sorts of resources for schools to be able to use to teach bridge, and they will be sharing the results of their research, and it's being conducted in the USA as well as Europe, but I imagine it will be applicable to many, many countries such as Australia. 
anywhere where maybe it's possible to introduce Teaching Bridge in schools. One of the things that's interesting, because you know there's this whole thing at the moment about how popular chess has suddenly become. Yes. Yeah. And there's apparently a lot more academic research about chess and the benefits of chess. And so it then makes it easier to get funding to promote chess and to support chess in schools where there's not that same body of academic research about bridge. And so it's really important to get these kinds of studies going because it then allows for governments to then implement these programs in the education sector, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's really an important thing for the future of the game. And it was great to talk to her about it. Yeah. Oh, she's she's so fun and she's so wonderful and she's so passionate. It's really inspiring. It is really inspiring. So we'll put the links on our website if you want to donate to this project. The other brilliant thing about this is that there's some matching funding. So whatever you give, it's effectively going to be doubled. And that's thanks to the Levine Foundation. So, you know, if you believe in the future of Bridge, get behind this because it's honestly just quite hard for these kinds of organizations to raise the funds that they need. It's not like anyone's getting rich on this. They just want to do a good job. So if you can contribute and you believe in the future of the game, please help. Thank you. A couple of letters for us today in the mailbag, Jocelyn. Oh, goody, goody, goody. (laughs) (laughs) Our first letter today is from Adam Vildowski. Adam's a very good player and a friend of the show. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam. And Adam is writing to us about the importance of asking about bids when you don't understand what they mean. Little, <laughs> little reminder there not to assume. He says, one of my favorite partners was the late Ivar Stackgold. I met him in 1997 when he was 72. He had finished second in the Bermuda Bowl for the USA in 1959, but had mostly retired from bridge in 1970 or so. Playing with him in a club in La Jolla near where he lived around 2014, I picked up a balanced hand with 16 high card points and the king-queen-jack-10 of spades. Ivar was one of the original Kaplan-Scheinwald players, and he and I continued the tradition, including a 12-14 to one-no-trump opening. So I opened one club. He responded one heart, and my right-hand opponent tried one spade. Using our old-fashioned methods, my double would be for penalties. This seemed to be the very hand for it, so I doubled. With a weak hand and a singleton spade, Ivar properly retreated to two clubs. This was passed around to my left-hand opponent, who balanced with two spades, presuming that my double had been conventional, even though it had not been alerted. I doubled again when it came around to me and let a trump for down two and a top. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So always good if you're not entirely sure to ask a question or two in there. Yes, it's it's a great idea unless it, of course, tips off the people who are bidding that they're maybe perhaps not completely in sync. <laughs> this is true. This is true. One must always weigh the costs and benefits. Adam also sent us another anecdote. He says, decades ago, I was playing a regional pair game in New Jersey with my regular partner against a married couple with the husband on my left. I became dummy in seven no trump. Left-hand opponent said, well, honey, if you have an ace, I guess you should lead it. She did. We didn't call the director. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I guess some things are just so self-evident that You don't need to worry about one partner leading the other. There's also just something so um, unfiltered about the way that the husband (laughs) said that, you know, this transparency about their whole interaction. I just think it's hilarious. You just know that these two are locked in a dynamic and, you know, why even bother calling the director? Oh, I thought the husband was being funny. Oh, maybe that's what he meant. But maybe, but maybe this was serious. Like, he really needs to lead his wife by the nose, or he thinks he does. Oh, I just, I guess I just interpreted it as though he's just saying what he thinks. <laughs> you know, they're just, you know, some couples, they just completely forget that they're in the world with anybody else. I guess that's right. Yeah. They're just out there and just have lost all perspective. They're so used to each other and take everything for granted. I love that. <laughs> 
Right. No, I can see that. I think this is probably relates to why Paul doesn't play with me (laughs) (laughs) anymore. And may have something to do with why my husband pretends that he'll pick it up at some point in the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So our next letter is not strictly husbands and wives, but it could be. It's from Anonymous in Florida. A regular player at our club is notorious for reorganizing her cards when she is out of a suit. Most people know she does it and she's been cautioned not to do it by her partner, but that hasn't stopped her. So at a recent game, two tricks in when she started moving her cards around, her partner put the alert card on the table and said, my partner is out of hearts. And she was. I don't know if she's done it since, but I think there's a lesson in there somewhere. Ooh, that is one way of discouraging partner from doing something that you don't want them to do. What I don't understand is why why can't she just do it under the table? Well, that would show some awareness, Jocelyn. <laughs> I mean, I do it. I think we maybe all do it because I don't want to have the red cards up against the red cards, you know, because I'm that much of a novice player i need to sort my cards and i need the red cards to be separated by the black cards so i just do it under the table i do it you know i don't think that anybody can see yeah yeah and as i said because you have some awareness (laughs) (laughs) then i just want to follow that person home like if they do that and they've been told and they just don't care what else do they do like that is that is a riot that is someone you want to watch when they're at home by themselves and think no one's around. Like, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that person's life. Completely unhinged is my guess. We can only hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our final letter today, Jocelyn, is from Ankur in San Francisco. And apologies if I've not said that correctly. Hey, Catherine and Jocelyn, I have a funny story that I think you'll both enjoy. My spouse, who doesn't play bridge yet... But patiently endures my obsession with the game, once overheard the tail end of a post-mortem I was having over video chat with my partner after a particularly late online game. (laughs) My partner and I were discussing our carding agreements on one of our bad boards and I mentioned that he had missed the upside-down attitude signal I gave him. After ending the call, I continued to look over the hands when I heard a cough. I looked up to find my long-suffering wife giving me a look. What's up, I asked her, oblivious to just how late it actually was. Her tart reply, I'm giving you an upside-down attitude signal. Come to bed. (laughs) That's adorable. That's really, that's great. I think we've all given our partners the odd upside-down attitude signal at times. (laughs) That is really fun. Yep. So if you have any fun stories about asking about bids or spouses playing bridge and maybe being a bit oblivious to their surroundings, or perhaps a card reorganization situation or giving a spouse upside down attitude, or really any fun stories about bridge, please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram. Or you can tweet us at sorrypartner. Or you can send us a voice message. These links are in the show notes and on the website at sorrypartner.com along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Alone Up Tekka. And note, this episode comes with bonus audio for our Patreon supporters. South African champion Alone Aptekar has represented South Africa on numerous occasions over the past 19 years, including at five Bermuda Bowls and three Bridge Olympiads. He reached the semifinals of the 2007 Bermuda Bowl and has since won the 2010 Asuka Pairs at the NEC in Japan, the 2017 National Australian Imp Pairs Championship, the 2018 HCL Teams Championships, and the 2021 Swedish Chairman's Cup. We began by asking when he first fell in love with Bridge. So I started the game fairly late in, in life. I started at the age of 31. 
And it took me all of one lesson to say, this game is so for me. And I phoned my teacher, said, recommend me a book. And when is our next lesson? You know, he, he left it up to me to coordinate for a group of five of my friends. And uh, we made it for three days later. And uh, literally, I was, I was hooked in the first few minutes that we started. I've always been a card-playing, um, strategic game-playing person, like backgammon and poker and uh, any other sort of strategy fun game. And it just grabbed me as quickly as I started. What was it, do you think, about the game that really got its hooks right into you from the start? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's... Uh, its intellectual challenge is immense. Yeah, the, I guess the ability to just um, challenge you all the time. So every time I thought I'd learned something, and I remember my learning curve in my first year was just so massive. I really was a sponge, and I was fortunate enough in my first year to, um, I'd just come out of a, a business shortly before starting the game, and I had the luxury of really of time. And a good part of my first year was raising a, my first kid and learning this game. And I typically had books piled up next to the side of my bed. And every time I thought I knew something uh, and got the hang of it, I found out, you know, just as quickly thereafter that I knew so little and there was so much more to learn. And, you know, I've always loved problem solving. And this is, you know, this, is, this game is just uh, the Rolls Royce of uh, problem solving games. So, you know, uh, seeing deeply into a problem and being analytical and analyzing the clues, uh, which is, you know, which is really what the game is about. It's just these series of clues that are revealed, I guess, in the auction and play at every point and just assimilating that information. And, you know, as you start to, I guess, peel this onion and, uh, you know, you start with this outside layer that is very thin and it just gets deeper and deeper, I fell in love with that complexity and yeah, I guess that challenge, which uh, became very apparent to me very quickly. And the four friends that you recruited to take the lessons with you, huh. were they similarly enamored? Yeah. So we actually started uh, six of us and we were playing a game. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called Clubias. It's an old Jewish Yiddish game for about 12 years. And we made it a once a week Monday night and there were six of us and four of us would play. And, you know, between, I, I was generally one of the four that was always there. And I'm just going to interject here to say, I know that that's a game that's specifically very popular in South Africa. Yeah, it's got a small following, but it is specifically popular here. I don't know why it made its roots here, but, uh, you know, it is an old Yiddish game and it's got similar concepts of choosing suits, trumps, playing cards, winning tricks, having a goal and, you know, people that don't know the game of bridge will always say it's, uh, is that, you know, the same or similar to bridge. And it's, it's a fraction of what bridge is, but it's got some similar uh, concepts. And uh, we were playing it for 12 years. And by the last five years, I think it was much more about my friendship group getting together and just having a fun night and having dinner and drinking some wine and playing the game. And uh, it was actually petering out in the last six months. And we decided to turn it up and we said, but it'd be such a pity to let this go. You know, I, I actually had I just met one of the better players in South Africa who played bridge. I was actually playing poker with him for a few years before I started bridge. And he suggested if we ever felt like learning, uh, give him a call. And a few months, as I said before, this clubhouse game petered out. We were looking to keep this grouping together and said, let's all give uh, bridge a go together. So the six of us started and... Uh, I guess I was the luckiest in so far that I had the time to really dedicate myself. And while I think every one of my friends were similarly taken by the game, they just didn't have the time to dedicate to it. And uh, I sort of shot ahead very quickly. You know, as you know, this game, uh, everybody thinks they know so much and corrects everybody quickly. And I think I sort of alienate myself from them very quickly. But uh, <laughs> And I moved on, I think, in two months. Um, but they, uh, three of them still play to this day. At a decent, uh, you know, good club players, not uh, uh, anything more serious than that. And they love it for what they get out of it. And uh, we were all happy to make the transition. Uh, the other two fell out within about two months and then another one six months later. And um, yeah, I guess that was our initial start. And what was the book that your first teacher recommended? So not surprisingly, it was his book. 
Eber and Sapphire. So Neville Eber is one of South Africa's top players. Certainly the most decorated, won the most national championships, maybe just because of his longevity. He's been winning national championships here since he's 18. He's now in his mid-70s. Um, he's played for South Africa many, many times. But he wrote a book. Uh, and so the South African system that I initially started out was on a UK-based ACL kind of system, which was quite prevalent here in the 80s. I think there was a strong British influence on the South African bridge playing community. And he had a book co-authored, and it was his concepts on the system and how to get going and I guess we're beginning to intermediate type of uh, students. So he gave it to, he gave me that and said, start reading that. But I think very soon thereafter, I got into finger books, which were very good and instructive. He's obviously been very prolific, but very good for somebody starting out and some hardy books. I think I remember as really my starting reading books. I, I can honestly say in my first year, I might easily have read 150 books completely in within one year. Um, I could easily have gone through in a week, three, four books. You know, I just couldn't get enough of it. And I literally would put in five, six hours a day and work through these things. You know, so I've always had, you know, one of my strengths at, uh, at university and I never really attended university was always at, and even at the end of high school, I recall was like sort of self-teaching and I was able to sort of self-instruct reading these books and absorbing them. And I could maybe then go and defer to people, you know, some of the expert guys in our bridge community and ask them for the, how to apply them. But I kind of was, I did a lot of self-learning through uh, reading. And you were taking care of a baby. So I imagine you were reading <laughs> these books aloud to the baby to soothe, <laughs> soothe the baby and put the baby to sleep. <laughs> He's now 22 and he plays bridge at a very fine level. So I think I did. <laughs> I think something sunk in. Excellent. <laughs> If you were going to recommend a bridge book now, say to a developing player, what's the mm. first one that pops into your mind? I mean, my favorite author is Hugh Kelsey. Um, uh, you know, he's hasn't been around for ages, but he did a, a book, a complete book on squeeze play that is, to me, the just the most brilliant workbook that I've ever worked through. And it was uh, uh, laborious and the most valuable, I don't know, uh, that probably took me a number of weeks to get through in a meaningful way. And I think I've probably read it about three times, but best book I've ever read. So not for beginners maybe, but definitely, but definitely, definitely on the recommended list. Absolutely. Yeah. For anyone who's serious at an advancing level, uh, a must read. You've made a career in business and I'm interested to know if your passion for bridge is because you can both control it and can't control it. When you're in charge of a business, you're in charge of it. I appreciate many things don't always go as you might want them to go. But does Bridge appeal to you because it has these set of rules and these objectives and it's also clear and yet it, it perennially gets away? Yeah, I mean, that is definitely one of the um, beauties of the game. It's so perfect and precise in so many ways, but it, it's not absolute. What I really love about it most is the world that it transports me to every single time that the world basically ceases to exist and I can tunnel into what's in front of me. I absolutely love that sort of going into that zone. I guess if I'd had a parallel life, I might well have been a bridge professional. There, there are elements around that uh, that I wouldn't encourage my son to, who's quite capable of going down that route as well. He's an exceptionally capable, brilliant 21-year-old uh, bridge player and could make a career in life, whatever the game's future holds. He could be up there if he pursued it. And for many reasons, I strongly discourage that. But, you know, in a fantasy world, I would absolutely have loved to have pursued this and played 200 days of the year and try to have been the best that I could have been because I'm, I'm, I'm at such a disadvantage in many ways in terms of the people I do play relatively against in the, in the capacity and the time that I've actually got to allocate uh, to the bridge. What I do love in the similarity when I look at my success in my work is I'm a very clear thinking person and I've got a great ability to clear out the noise, even in my work life and focus in on the issue and ask the heart, the real pertinent question that is what is the blockage in a business, what might unlock the business, what, you know, but, and I've got an ability to sort of really hone in on and focus on the problem at hand. And um, I've got the ability to sit you know, and work through and 
think for four or five hours at a time and stay focused on that. So, I mean, that's really where the similarity that's, I guess, where uh, has drawn me to bridge. But in another lifetime, I would have loved to have uh, pushed this as far because I think the similarities in my work and what has brought me success there could have brought me greater success in the bridge world and probably account for the things that I am good at there in, in that space. Thinking about a regular partner, what would that partner probably say is your greatest strength when it comes to playing bridge? I think my partners, because I've had actually, I've been very fortunate to have only had three longest term partners in my 20 years other than my first year. But I think the consistency across all three, that all three would say is that my biggest strength is probably my partnership qualities insofar that I'm fairly supportive of them at the table. I will generally not come at them at the table. Uh, uh, they won't feel my pressure at the table. We'll take it offline. We'll deal with it afterwards. You know, I'll support them. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's not, yeah, they're, they feel supported at the table. So, you know, I'm, I'm able to focus for long periods of time when I'm in the zone. Like I can grind it out. My, my powers of concentration are pretty strong. Um, I guess the one thing I do lack is I'm not a professional and uh, grinding it out for, Seven days in a row uh, or 10 days in a row is not, uh, you know, it's not habitual, I guess, certainly not like uh, some of the guys are playing like this for a living and, you know, doing this tournament in, tournament out. So I will generally have, unfortunately, in a seven to 10 day period, a bad day or a bad couple of days out of tiredness or out of um, just not trained enough. In, in that, but when I'm in the zone and I'm like uh, feeling on top of my game, I can grind it out for days with, you know, error rates are fairly low and very, very focused. Certainly my bidding, my bidding judgment is my strongest part of my game. And I think that all my partners will say that my weakest part of my game is undoubtedly my declarer play. If I'm ever not at my sharpest, my declarer play tends to be the area that I will give up most imps, but my bidding and Consequently, um, you know, as the partner on the other side in a, in, in a dual dialogue, I'm very thoughtful about the problem they're facing on their side and considered and very pragmatic in my bidding approach and certainly my understanding of the bidding problems that I'm facing. So definitely my biggest strength at, I think, at a technical level, but uh, uh, partners would taunt say, and at a, a very softer level would be that. I've got a good temperament at the table and I can grind it out uh, when I'm not tired. Uh, I guess that's, you know, that sounds a little inconsistent, but uh, that's more of a, you know, a function of, uh, you know, as I say, it's not what I do for a living, but, um, you know, I'm going to go for two, three day tournaments. I'll, you know, I'll always be pretty strong, go for a week, you know, I'm going to have my crash, probably one of those days in the middle somewhere, you know, for a day, unfortunately. We know. <laughs> I mean, we know it from our own experience. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
when you're in the zone, is there ever anything that throws you and takes you out of the zone? And then if there is, how do you get back in it? Yeah, as we all get thrown, you know, so up until the recent last number of years, I mean, certainly my first 10 years, I would have characterized, I, I would compound errors and I'd have to be very cognizant and conscious of putting it behind me and not dwell on it. So they would often, you know, the errors could come in boards of two or three until you're, you know, and um, it's just how quick you recover from, you know, we all, you know, the level of playing at it, I'm immediately aware when I've made my mistake, generally right as I've done it, or certainly by the end of the hand, I've, uh, you know, I'm berating myself and it's how quickly you kind of just put that energy behind you, I guess. And we've all understand what that means. So I've got much better at that. Um, and uh, Is that just from experience or have you been able yeah. to adopt certain techniques or strategies? No, experience and maturity, just uh, realising that it's just so counterproductive and, uh, yeah, I just try and calm myself down. Generally, I would try and breathe a little bit, you know, close my eyes and just slow down because I guess your adrenal glands are going and your your head's racing and I have done that and that does serve me better. But actually, it's just an internal dialogue to say, just okay, move on, get on to the next hand and just remind myself of that. What's the biggest schlamozzle or muck-up you've ever made at the table? Um, too many to tell again, too, too many to count. <laughs> I'm sure I've blown a lot of uh, matches on the last boards, but uh, nothing stands out that's like uh, ridiculous. So I'm sure I've revoked a couple of times, not realised until the last call. Ah, uh, silly. But, uh, you know, but... It's okay. We understand you've blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. I've let it go and forgiven myself, I hope. <laughs> What's the funniest thing that's ever happened when you were playing bridge? Um, had somebody faint at the table and everybody carried on bidding. His head just knocked down. Everyone was focused. We didn't even have screens. It was in the preliminary rounds. rounds, And we, in a fact, that wasn't particularly funny, but it was pretty funny in retrospect. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you just... He was okay in the end. It was just so boiling. This, uh, I think we were in uh, Menton. It got up to like 41 degrees and uh, he passed out and we carried on bidding and we like, uh, we're like, we'll sit, wait, you know, come on. <laughs> it's your chance. <laughs> he was out. <laughs> yeah, to actually get to like a doctor and well, we, you get revived and we had to drink water and uh, just to go and cool off and came back and carried on bidding. But uh, it was quite a fun farcical moment. <laughs> Did other people in the tournament notice? I mean, I imagine there was a little bit of a ruckus if a doctor was called. It just, yeah, Nick, people were carrying on, but it was just the, the tables next door. People like started to watch and uh, yeah, everyone got a bit concerned for a moment, for a while, but uh, he was absolutely fine. <laughs> of all the tournaments that you've been able to visit and play at, is there a particular favourite? Yeah, I, I've lapped the HCL in India, just it's, general all-round experience. The food was brilliant. The play venues were brilliant. The scoring was brilliant. Loved India as the backdrop. That stood, stood out as, you know, stands out as definitely my best. Uh, for fun, the Gold Coast, Catherine, where you guys are, um, that is, uh, uh, that's been, I've done that a couple of times. That's been a hoot. I absolutely love that. Uh, some of the festivals in Europe, a ski resort in um, Switzerland, I was there two years ago. It was just so beautiful. And then just for sheer quantity, the you know, the Bermuda bowls are still just kind of above everything and just, just such a great test and privilege and format. Love them. Hope I get a chance to play many more of those in time to come. But just as an all-round great venue, when I do see people and say, you've got to go to one, I would say the HCL, uh, they put on a great show there in Delhi. And when your family was younger, what would be the impact on your family when you were traveling to tournaments? Would they come with you? Yeah. How did you manage that and how do you continue to manage that? So when the kids were young, um, so I'm remarried. My first wife was a trooper with regards to the travel. and As in she'd come with you? Yeah, she was great. And uh, from that perspective, and she enjoyed building family trips around, uh, coming to, to the venues and stick staying on or if it was a fun place where she could actually do stuff with the kids and then, you know, we could do some stuff outside of it. So, um, if I had if the playing schedule allowed for it. Uh, so they actually came quite a bit. You know, they came to me to once to the Gold Coast. They came with me to Hawaii. We went to Italy, to France together, 
to the States, uh, actually mainly in the States, yeah, to the UK. Quite a lot of fun, fun, good uh, trips. You know, as the kids got older, were in school, my, my sort of going overseas was limited, I guess, to maybe three times a year, which is hardly enough to really keep at the at those levels that I, you know, sort of aspired to playing at. But I'd have to pick my tournaments and uh, do them. I guess when the kids were coming, I could probably do practically five times a year or something. Um, hmm. Yeah. And now that uh, the kids are all sort of getting old and stuff, I'm probably, um, my wife's prepared to come with me and have some fun. Could do, again, start to do a few more again. All in the three a year. <laughs> Particularly when the children were younger, if you had your whole family with you, how would you unwind at the end of the day? You know, I imagine you have to be in a certain bubble in a way to keep yeah. your focus throughout a tournament and yet you're coming back and having to deal with family um, situations and whatever's going on with the kids. So how do you do that? Yeah, sometimes it was challenging and sometimes mm. uh, particularly when you've had a bad day's uh, bridge or you've just been so intensely focused and you don't feel like, uh, you know, being on duty or, you know, uh, it was it was tough, but more by and large, um, Plus minus was much more pluses having them around and rather than the 10 day distance. And I was a very involved dad and uh, very close to all of my kids. And uh, I, I, I loved having their support and uh, the time of the evenings, uh, even if I guess it was fairly demanding in terms of, you know, my own uh, sort of unwind time. Is there a hot button issue in Bridge that you're particularly interested in or, um, invested in um i'm not invested in so far that i'm like you know i'm not involved in any administrative side or anything that i've uh, got but you know cheating is to me um a scourge of the game that's really in my blood boils and when i hear of uh you know, instances that people have uh, stepped down the line and cheated i've got very little sympathy for any of the circumstances or the their story or their mitigating circumstances, why they did it. You know, to me, I'd love the game to be as clean and full of integrity that, you know, you're sitting down and on an even footing. And I really wish the governing bodies could get more harmony in this regard and come with a more unified approach and a harsher sanctioning regime that really does deter people from even considering cheating. I don't know if it'll ever wipe it out because some people, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I, you know, maybe wired in a certain way for, you know, see the risk reward and of of it. But cheating to me is something that makes my blood boil. And when I hear of uh, people that have che- cheated, I really don't ever care to sit at a table with them ever. Uh, once they've served their time or rehabilitated, as harsh as that seems, I just would prefer that they suffer the consequence of something very severe to. Yeah, keep the integrity of this game at its as best as we can. Have you been in a live situation where you've had to sit across someone that you know has, who you know has been cheating? Well, I have played against people who have been convicted of cheating or have been determined. Uh, you know, have um, have been a judge to cheated and have come back. So, yeah, that's not an easy situation. You know, the other thing on my mind is. You know, I think for the game to really thrive and survive is we've got to get back to the bridge tables. And the beauty of what this game is, it's also it's about interacting and sharing our, sharing our uh, love and passion for it in, in, you know, in a way that you can't replicate, you know, sitting opposite on, on a computer screen. And while that has a place in the world and it's very functional and uh, gives us the ability to have any time access and anywhere to, uh, to this game, Nothing can beat really the experience and uh, the enjoyment of getting back to the bridge table. So I just really urge all that bridge play community out there to go back and support their local clubs and get back into uh, into a bridge table. In what ways has bridge made you a better or worse person? Um, certainly, I've found it fulfilling. So uh, I believe it's uh, satisfied an area outside of my uh, commitments uh, that really is for me and a passion for me that has rounded me. Uh, you know, I know it's an alienating game. So, you know, when I say it rounds me, it you know, doesn't round me to the broader world that I can take it into a uh, general conversation, you know, at a dinner table and so on. But it's given me a level of satisfaction and performance that, 
I think has made me a more yeah. just satisfied within myself and fulfills a, I don't find that I'm searching for much, you know, outside of you know, my family, my business uh, interests and so on. Um, I found a passion that uh, really is fulfilling that um, it, it undoubtedly has um, just made me a more wholesome person in that regard. I think it's definitely learned, taught me patience and to slow down because uh, I, I, one of my biggest weaknesses, uh, certainly up until, and yeah, it'll still be a challenge for me for the rest of my life, but uh, I'm much better at it. And I do believe Bridges played a huge part. There's uh, always, I, I could resolve problems quickly and I would answer quickly. And, you know, no one's always, always right. And, and certainly uh, when people are involved and uh, it's uh, things are not cut and dried, it's definitely taught me to stop and analyze and think and rethink again before answering. So certainly in my 20s, and I had a very uh, intense, exciting first business career that um, we were running at a million miles an hour and I made decisions enormously quickly. It served me mostly well. I know it came at the cost of, uh, I was very, um, I didn't give a lot of air to the process and people's feelings were hurt and, uh, um, and I was very decision and outcomes driven in my decision making. And, uh, you know, people, we need to vent and hear and air, and, and air things. And, uh, and no, I didn't have a lot of time for that. And I would think through, through things through quickly and come to decisions quickly and say, luckily, I've had the ability to be lots of times fortunate, uh, right, but many times wrong. And I've been able to pause a lot more. And Bridges definitely taught me that lesson well. And I'm conscious of that in, uh, in my decision-making process in my personal relationships and my business relationship, just to stop and think and think again before saying something and being uh, so quick to answer. Did you ever find that you felt that you were at a disadvantage because you started Bridge hmm. perhaps later than a lot of very successful champion level players? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do feel that even today when I, people say you play bridge and uh, wow, you know, let's say, God, I could only have started at the age of uh, 10. I wish I'd started so much younger, but uh, I'm a competitive person and I like sort of, uh, you know, when I started bridge and it was so captivating and uh, drew me in so quickly and I wanted to get good so quickly and it was, it was important to me. And, uh, you know, so my journey, literally, I, I, in my first year, as a child, I was prolific in what I read. I got to playing in a world championship. Uh, within two years after having started. I won my first South African national championship as part of a team in two and a half years after I'd started with my third South African national championship. I just threw myself into everything bridge. So I played my first national championships 11 months after I started. Then was another one about just under a year after that and just under a year after that, my third one, and I won my first national championship. I went to play in Montreal in 2000 and two or three, my first world championship, and I was just brave. Uh, I went with Bernard. We went and I made the first cut of the pairs to the semifinal. It was, so there were like 400 odd pairs that started. I got to the first 192. By, and by, just to give you that, by 2007, I was playing in a Bermuda Bowl semifinal. Having beaten the Italian team, we lost narrowly to the US team in the semifinal of the Bermuda Bowl by, Bowl by eight imps. To, uh, I got to a European semi-final. This was in six in a six-year stage of uh, enormous acceleration, and it didn't come. Uh, you know, uh, in a way, I was lucky. I had obviously aptitude and an ability in my, uh, but there was an enormous amount of commitment and dedication to um, to that process. But not at the exclusion of everything else. But uh, you know, it really was because I, I was raising a family. I did have financial interests that I still was uh, managing, uh, but it played a very material part of my life and I spent an enormous amount of time in it, but I spent it on the right things and I was relentless in my pursuit of trying to get better day after day. And literally every single day I dedicated myself to being better than it was the previous day. And that meant reading something more, uh, playing, and uh, it was just about sheer dedication and sheer application. So, you know, people, everyone wants to get different things out of this game. Some people might aspire to getting really good that quickly it is achievable even at a late stage and there's really it's about 
your commitment and your dedication and your focus and a little bit of luck. You know, I was lucky that to a degree, top player was prepared to play with me. Uh, he, he lost his bridge partner to uh, a bridge ac- uh, to an accident and he was in limbo and in, a, and, and in a transition point and he was looking for somebody and he saw I was committed to it. I guess he saw that, uh, but, you know, so there was a little bit of luck involved in that, but it's possible. And uh, anybody really, really wants to get good, you can do it. Um, whatever that means, maybe it's about beating your uh, seven friends in your school or it's about, you know, becoming your club champion or, yeah, there's no doubt you can do it. And uh, there's never too late to start if you're just open-minded about it and willing to learn. There's enough resources out there. What's your favorite bridge convention or gadget that you really like to play with your partners? Um, there is a thing that recently that Roy and Sabine, uh, Roy Willen and Sabine Auckland, I think they came up with it called uh, Optional Key Card. Love it when it comes up. I think it's just so clever. Uh, basically, when you're in a forcing gate forcing auction, when I guess the uh, minor suit is unlimited, you've got like gadgets that you can do with uh, at the with the major suits, uh, with things like serious, non-serious, no trumps. When you sort of land at the three level and you're both still unlimited, you can still sort of limit your hand. But with this, um, this basically, you get to the four level and then you can still define your range after sort of landing it uh, by agreement to the four level where both hands are undefined. And it's just, I think it's an absolutely brilliantly new, awesome convention, um, quite practical for high-level um, minor suits or high-level bidding. But uh, yeah, I've brought into Armory about two years ago that I really appreciate the brilliance of it. Um, some of the funnest stuff, I love this, like Muck Stamen, a lot of fun you can have around that over one no Trump. Uh, sort of sort of playing like a garbage statement. Great, clever convention. Uh, certainly got a lot of tactical, great skill, uh, great tactical considerations around it. Yeah, I like using it. People who don't use it, I feel, lose quite a bit not using it. Yeah, I think that's one that stands out. Any conventions that you find just a complete waste of time? Many. <laughs> There's many. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the questions, uh, you know, when I speak to people just starting to uh, learn the game, and, you know, I went through an intense learning curve uh, where I really tried to uh, skill up on this game quickly was that learning conventions as a beginner and in your early stages, other than a couple of key conventions, is generally, to me, a waste of time. And a lot of teachers spend a lot of time teaching conventions to certainly beginners and you know, newish, um, you know, advancing players. And... Really where you've got to spend the time is actually on your bidding judgment and understanding actually what it means, how an auction, what an auction actually means from yeah, forcing birds and non-forcing birds, limiting birds, um, yeah, ranges and, and, and judgment. M- much more around judging why you bid a certain bid, not why you pass, what, what the inferences are around that, what inferences can be gained by uh, your actions and much more around that than conventions. And our funds, well, you know, you can get by on, I play a fairly natural system. Uh, we've got some pretty good, sophisticated gadgets, but you know, uh, it's fairly natural. And um, uh, certainly for people who are learning early stage, I would stay away from a lot of convention, uh, con- learning conventions. I'd analyze hands and uh, analyze bidding, really go through bidding judgment and why did you bid this? Uh, thing and as opposed to that, as opposed to uh, spending any time on, uh, on conventions. What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? Okay, so, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you're unsure, write it down and go and ask. Just keep asking uh, <laughs> and read. I, I, I think it's, you know, some people maybe can't learn via reading. Um, if you've got any propensity or capability of uh, absorbing material, and your mind is structured in a way that you can read and learn and work through problems, it's the best way to learn. Take an area that you're not skilled at or you're interested in and read a book about it and reread it. And if you work through the problems, the, the hours spent on that would be infinitely more valuable, maybe not as much fun as playing, let's say, th- three club sessions, maybe the equivalent of nine hours or something like that. But if you're really determined to grow and learn, read as much as you can. 
um, best learning uh, environment. And to the extent you don't understand something you've read or, you know, you don't know where to source an answer, write it down and ask an expert. Try and seek out the best person in your club or in your community and ask them. Uh, I've yet to see a person who loves the game and is, you know, high standard, not be willing to actually uh, answer a question either because they're feeling appreciated that you've approached them or, or, or recognize that we've all gone through a curve and it's uh, would only be too happy to share their knowledge. So take advantage of that. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been just terrific. Yeah, thank you so much, really, Catherine and Jocelyn, for inviting me on the show. It's been really wonderful to chat about the game we love and I hope your listeners enjoy hearing what we had you know what we what we chatted about hope it gives them some value and that's the show many thanks to our guest alone apteka thank you also to our sorry partner posse of listener supporters who make the show possible sorry partner is produced by Catherine harris with production assistance from jade gray and david turner our theme music was composed by jocelyn starts and produced by daniel graboy Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message. And please consider joining the Sorry Partner Posse that helps keep us on the air, so to speak. You'll get ad-free episodes, a monthly newsletter, bonus audio from time to time, including of today's interview, and other supporter perks. These links are in the show notes and on our website at sorrypartner.com. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Alone says, read as much as you can and ask lots of questions. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. <laughs> Thank you, partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.